Spread your jams and drizzle your syrups. Why is it so sticky? It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Yo, good morning to you. Hope you are well. Matt and Alex with you. Alex Tyson, you good? Yeah, going well. I mean, I had a little bit of a headache last night. I am not going to lie. Night two in the open plan living bed in the lounge room situation. And I might have got a bit dehydrated to sleep next to a fire. Um, <laughs> woke up. No. <laughs> bit of a headache. Um, look, it, it, it's not all smooth sailing if you are going to rearrange your life and uh, live in your living area and work in your bedroom. But, hey, that's the occupational hazard, my friend. I'm, I'm not giving up yet. Dude, that reminds me of uh, a friend of mine, Ray Badrin, a comedian. He, uh, he tells a story about trying to get rid of his hangover. He was horrendously hungover, still possibly drunk, um, at uh, the uni games, and he uh, tried to... Tried to get his hangover off by going to the sauna. No, oh, no, go, yeah, going to the sauna. Fool, and, he, and he fell asleep in the sauna and he woke up with extreme dehydration. <laughs> he had to go to hospital. Um, oh, man. Well, I tell you, one of the worst hangovers I've ever had was uh, an, an evening in which, yeah, we had a few few wines in a sauna. <laughs> and oh, God. by the next morning, it was, uh, you could have blown me away like a dandelion, my friend. I was like the evil guy at the end of The Mummy, just absolutely <laughs> oh, uh, dear. dropping down to, into the Sahara. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. This is a breakfast show, uh, albeit an on-demand one. And we, uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, have a little chat with you. Well, I mean, talking about us being, you know, hopeless, um, you know, which is what I we usually do. We're chatting to two guys today who really are doing some incredible work out in the community. They um, set up Australia's first mobile laundry van up in Brisbane, and uh, they help people who are sleeping rough by providing um, showers and laundry services for them. They have done so great with what they do in Brisbane and around Australia. They've even been shouted out by ex-president Barack Obama in mm. the US. So incredible work. So I can't wait to chat to Nick and Luke from Orange Sky Australia. Yeah, certainly make us hopeful. So looking forward to that one. Uh, up next, we're going to be um, looking into something that's just occurred, Matt O'Kine. Uh, if you're looking at going to the movies, of course, that is a difficult situation. But did you know that you can get the same experience at home? Uh, someone has taken a uh, an interesting way at releasing a brand new film, so we're going to get into that. And um, at request of me, play some songs from a musical in a moment. <laughs> Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Hope you're having a good one. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Now, Matt, there are some pros and cons with cinemas being shut at the moment. Uh, the cons, obviously, that we don't get to see the hot new films that are coming out. I mean, Christopher Nolan's Tenant was very much looking forward to uh, checking that out. What a what a director. Um, the pros, obviously, that you don't have your chips stolen by Richard Wilkins. So I'm very glad that we could. <laughs> I thought avoid you were going to say you don't have to drop sixteen dollars on popcorn <laughs> and a drink. Well, you are you are. <laughs> You say that you don't have to do that, but Disney has come up with a way for you to drop exorbitant amounts of money on things because despite their streaming service being available to, uh, to you know, pay a monthly subscription fee, they're thinking of re- releasing their new film Mulan, their new remake, with an extra $30 cover charge on top. Let's get down to business. 
Now, um, I used to work at a video store, Alex Dyson, and if I'm to recall my days correctly, and this was in 2004, so I understand inflation, but a new release was six ninety five. <laughs> it's always been six ninety five. Tell you what, down at Henner Street Video, oh, <laughs> the Dyson residents never, and I can say this with authority, never hired a new release. I can tell you right now, you would not see a new release video coming through our doors. No, no. Five weeklies for $5 or nothing, okay? That was it. But you're right. Although it isn't a new thing to pay a little bit more for a new release, 30 bucks on top of the, you know, about a $10 a month uh, subscription fee has raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, look, it just goes to show, though, that people uh, people are, while they're stuck in these times, stuck indoors, they are willing to pay money to, to uh, be entertained. And who am I to judge? Because, honestly, it's $30 US, right, $42 Australian, but I have a hobby, you know. Oh, I've recently 42 have a Australian hobby. to watch Mulan. Oh, yes. I, I didn't realise we were still in US currency. <laughs> no, 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 $30, $30 US. But, see, that's $42 Australian, and I have to admit, I have a, cur- I have a hobby my current passion, like I enjoy, I enjoy craft beers. Quite enjoy craft ah. beers, all right? Like trying different types, trying new Australian brands, you know, sampling mm. local delicacies. Went, mm. to a, uh, went, went to a gourmet bottle shop recently. Just, just thought, oh, I'll try one of these or one of these. Popped them all in the basket. Just six little local beers, supporting out the man. Just by label? Just looking at labels, yeah, the yep. styles, IPAs, pale ales. Anyway, six beers, got to the counter. $42. Now, my partner's probably listening and uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry if I've ruined the family vacation on my craft beer. Um, well, there's no vacations anyway at the moment, but but look, have you got a hobby that you've uh, spent a bit of money on? No, but the money stopped me from getting into a hobby um, because I remember going to my very first, I was visiting some friends in Canberra and in Canberra they had a games workshop and at Games Workshop, what they do is Warhammer miniatures. It's like a tabletop game and you get yep. these little miniatures. You can yep. choose your orcs or you can choose your elves or you can choose your space fighters or whatever. And they go again. Do you know how much those things cost? When I saw an actual <laughs> price tag, because I had this little magazine, I'm like, maybe I should get... It's un- like four figurines, 80 bucks. And the amazing <laughs> yeah, right. thing is... You have to paint them yourself because that's part of the hobby. You know, so they look rubbish. So that's pretty incredible. But we did ask you, what's your hobby and how much is it costing you? We've got John. Uh, John, your leg, your hobby's Lego. Yes. Yep. Lego. All right. Now we we've spoken to Hamish uh, Blake on the show, host of uh, Lego Masters. Talk about your Lego setup and how much does it actually cost? Uh, so it's in the thousands at the moment. Um, we've got the last one we my partner and I have built um, was like a scale model of the Harry Potter castle, Hogwarts, and it was like 7,000 pieces and it's got like um, stained glass windows and like the whole shebang. Um, Why didn't you just build a house, John? You you and your partner (laughs) could just build your own house. Look, at this point, I could almost, yeah, not not that much, but like... We did have to sacrifice space and buy two new suitcases um, while we're in the US because we accidentally stumbled upon the Lego store in the Flatiron District. Mm. We went back a second time and came back with a, yeah the Batmobile and the Disney Castle 
and had to buy oh, no. suitcases <laughs> to bring so it. You not only you fork it out for the you know, the things, you got the uh, excess baggage fees. <laughs> That's an expensive hobby as well. Uh, goodness um, me! Thank you very much, John, for chatting thanks, to John. us. And uh, next up, we got Alex on the phone from Melbourne. Hello, Alex. What's your hobby? Hi. Uh, I have horses. <laughs> oh <laughs> God. <laughs> There yeah. is. They might as well just eat money straight from your wallet, oh honestly. Oh, my God. Um, I can't even begin to start. My partner made me a spreadsheet, and, like, we're trying to buy, save up for a deposit at the moment. And, yeah, it's a real bone of contention. <laughs> oh, I bet. How many horses are we talking here, Alex? Um, so I started off with one. Between me and my mum, we now have four, but two are mine and two are mum's. <laughs> okay, and how much? Okay, be, okay look, be honest here. <laughs> How much are the yep. horses costing you every uh, every year? Uh, around 15K, unless you want to include like petrol and tolls because I work in the city, so I do the horses in the morning and then we drive into the city. If you're including that, it's around 26. Oh, <laughs> so wait, you're paying $10,000 in tolls a year. <laughs> but some of that's maybe not horse related. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Petrol and tolls. But obviously, a horse, you need land, and so you need to be out of the city. And yeah, so you're coming yeah, in yeah. and out. So, yeah, we keep them on adjustment, kind of on the cusp of the Mornington Peninsula. So around 15K, yeah, that doesn't include like the cost to actually buy a horse. Um, but, well, but yeah. why aren't we including the cost to actually buy your hobby? <laughs> why are you excluding all these that's costs? That's usually the final. That's usually the I, end cost. Okay. Like. <laughs> All That's right. just the maintenance cost. I bought my horses though for fifteen hundred, and now they're probably worth like about ten or twenty. One of them's worth ten. One of them's worth twenty k. So you could say it's an investment. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I, we- I went to a horse <laughs> auction one time, and they're getting sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, um, oh, you so put you- some alloy wheels on there, and suddenly you've made a profit. I talked to a <laughs> trainer as well. A good racehorse. You get a, you know, some of their, their. Stuff, some of their, you know, some of their, things. Some of their thingies, <laughs> daily <laughs> explosions, are worth like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars a cup. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> anyway, are you into that that side of the business, there, Alex? I'm not, but although I do, a lot of my friends have X race horses and things, um, and it's amazing because they'll be worth a hundred thousand dollars, and then you know, two months later, they're worth like a hundred dollars, and then oh, until you God. retrain them. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Alex. All the best to you and your horses. And uh, finally, <laughs> we've we've got Paul on the phone from Brizzy. G'day, Paul. G'day. How you going? Good, thanks, Paul. Now, your hobby's got a little bit of horsepower itself. Can you tell us what <laughs> it is and how much it costs you? Uh, maybe not horsepower, but just more accessories. Um, yeah, so far it's it's racked up to about 20 grand. Mm, what's this? What, what's this for? Um, I've got a four-wheel drive, so I like accessories and all the nice new shiny things. What, what sort of stuff are we talking? What's What's your most useless but expensive accessory for your four-wheel drive? <laughs> I mean, the car itself, you know. But no. Nah. Um, well, well, um, well, apparently we're not including the costs of the actual <laughs> thing here, Paul. So no, no, this is this is on top of the car. No. Um, Oh, I don't know. I use all of it, to be honest. I'm oh, not sure. Go on. I'm sure you've got you, some How many rivers dice? did you drive through, Paul? How many do you actually go through rather than the old school pickup? <laughs> I could probably count them on one hand, maybe even one finger. 
<laughs> yeah, just go. Good to go over speed bumps at the local shopping centre, though, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> oh, it's, it's really. I mean, how did you know? <laughs> um, what about floodlights? You good? Good to blind other drivers with a few of them, but get your money's worth in that one, there, Paul. <laughs> They're actually on the way. I haven't uh, put them in yet. Oh, good, good. <laughs> The bill just keeps climbing me. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, appreciate you having a chat. Of course, of course. Uh, if you've got a hobby that is, uh, yeah, just <laughs> basically is just a hobby of watching numbers go down <laughs> on a credit card, we would love <laughs> to hear about it. Uh, please get in touch Alex on Instagram. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Well, I feel a buzz. Now, Matt, some terrible news was coming out yesterday after an explosion uh, rocked the port in Beirut in Lebanon. Uh, the footage, you saw it as well, is absolutely mind-boggling oh, as man. to the size of what's actually happened there. <laughs> Terrifying. There have been some deaths. There have been thousands of people injured in a in a town that was going through their struggles over the last 9 to 12 months. Uh, we wanted to find out a little bit more about the city, and so we thought we would chat to someone who knows it very, very well. Uh, he's currently in Australia, but actually hosted the Virgin Radio Morning Show in Beirut uh, for six years. His name is Anthony Salome, and he joins us right now. Hey, Anthony. Chance, g'day. G'day, loving the show, loving the podcast. Well, you'd know. I mean, look, I appreciate your uh, compliment, Anthony, because, uh, you know, you you were co-hosting the number one radio show in Lebanon for six years, but you're home now. Uh, what's home yep. life looking like? Home life is, is looking good. Listen, I, I mean, I was I was living on the Mediterranean coastline on a beach resort for six years, like you said, number one host, now back to my childhood bedroom with my parents in southwest Sydney. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Oh man, Let's absolutely right. Well, yeah. Well, it's pretty shocking pictures coming out of your former home there, Anthony. Um, it is a beautiful part of the world. I've got friends who are, you know, massive fans of of the country, of the town, and to see such a, you know, terrifying event happen. Can you tell us, uh, you know, basically what you you know of Lambert on your time there, and what something like this means to a town? Yeah, it's you know. It's 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 real heartbreaking um, what happened or what's what's been happening uh, as you mentioned before this even went down for the last you know nine ten months um, Lebanon's in the worst economic crisis it's ever been in um, you know I'm I'm sure people are seeing on the news has been protests and people trying to you know topple the corrupt government. To give you, I don't want to go too much into it, but to give you a brief uh, breakdown, Lebanon has kind of been run by the same uh, mafioso warlords for 40 years, you know. So people are, there's constant power outage where people got to pay for a generator as well as their electricity. There's, you know, a shortage of water, 50% unemployment. Uh, On top of all that, you've got a population of about four and a half million people and since the war in Syria, you've got 1.5 million Syrian refugees in the country now. I mean, where uh, it, it's it holds more refugees than any other country um, in the world, and it's just this tiny little country on the Mediterranean coastline. So it was already in such turmoil, and the people were were struggling so much. This is the last thing that 
the country needed. It's it's just really really heartbreaking. Um, Not to mention a pandemic yeah. on top of that. Yeah, you know, we're all struggling with COVID, mate. but to have this economic Tell crisis before that, it. and then to have an explosion which you know devastates not only lives lost but also the infrastructure of the town there. It's it seems so heartbreaking. It really is, and it just makes you think how much more can this little country take? You know, it's just it, it is really heartbreaking and. Australia, I know what most people know about Lebanese people is we've got pretty good food and uh, we're bouncers at nightclubs or we're walking around with bum bags and rat's tails um, and you can probably buy a $300 bag from a Lebo guy you know. But <laughs> the, the, the truth is Lebanon, uh, I mean, th- there's so much history and so much like a lot of people don't know Lebanon is a trilingual country everybody speaks English Arabic and French you know Biblos where I used to live is the oldest inhabited city in the world going back over 5,000 years the first alphabet was created in Lebanon then Jesus performed his first miracle water into wine oh kind I know you can appreciate that water <laughs> yeah. into wine in I've enjoyed Lebanon. that miracle many times uh, yeah, over the brother. last few years but um but yeah, so I mean, what was it like when you were living there? I mean, you you know, you would always we we we'd chat quite a bit on the phone, on you know, messaging and stuff. And you absolutely seem to love it over there. What are some of the highlights of living uh, living there? Man, it, I'll tell you what, it was the best six six years of my life, and I'm not even exaggerating one tiny bit. The people are are, are just amazing. Like I said, uh, Lebanon is is not like any other country in the Middle East. I know people have a perception of the Middle East. It's, it's very European. It's a metropolis built into the mountains on the Mediterranean coastline. Anywhere you look has an amazing view of the sunset. The people are very hospitable. It's some of the best food you'll ever eat in your life. Yeah, people drive like maniacs a little bit, but you know, that's <laughs> part of the charm of the country. Um, it, it re- and you know, some of some of our mates, like you know, uh, Glenn Wall, Tony Woods, uh, Nick Cody. I brought these guys over to do comedy showcases over there. These guys had some of the best times of their life. Yeah, the shows looked incredible as well. People loving the uh, you know the, the the stand-up experiences and stuff and and partying. It looked like you're always you you always seem to be at the club, man. I you know, I got to keep up appearances, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of like before you were a father. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit does. of that. And is, is everyone, you know, have you heard from friends, family, Anthony, as people you know okay? I'm still kind of shaken up because I woke up to all these messages and all these from people saying, is everyone, you know, okay? And I'm like, whoa, what, what the hell's going on? Mm. But thank God everyone that I know and all my family are all right. Some of them had some, you know, shattered windows. And we're talking, you know, 10 kilometers away from where the explosion happened. They had shattered windows and broken glasses in the kitchen. So it's whoa. it's a... Real devastate. I don't know if you guys know this. Cyprus felt, the country Cyprus felt the explosion and heard it to the point where they thought something had exploded in Cyprus. And Cyprus, just to give you, uh, in regards to how far it is, it's a three-hour boat ride away from Lebanon. It's a different country. So, they felt yeah. it in a different country across a sea. <laughs> it was a, It's 
absolutely ridiculous um the, the size of this thing it i think it registered over three on the richter scale yeah it's absolutely horrifying and uh yeah absolutely sending our best to there and if you want to help i mean it's a pretty dire situation as you said anthony uh even previous to that i mean since october the lebanese pound has lost over 86 percent of its value yeah. and so like a you know a, th- a thing of butter which was four thousand lebanese pounds i think is sixteen thousand pounds now so it's a pretty dire situation the lebanese red cross if you want to help out that's something you can do as well to help uh, this incredible city and country get back on its feet after uh, this particular setback on top of a few others. So, Anthony, thanks for painting a picture of this place for us, sending our best to you and uh, the people you know in Lebanon as well as any Lebanese listeners who are joining us right now. And, uh, yeah, hopefully talk to you again at some stage. Yeah, cheers, boys. I just want to applaud you guys for, you know, shining light on the matter and and really uh, pushing, you know, to help the Lebanese Red Cross and the Lebanese people. You know, bravo to you guys, and God bless you, man. It's a really good thing that you guys are doing. Oh, thanks, man. Well, look, we really appreciate you joining us. We'll catch you soon. See you, boys. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. Now, Matt O'Kine, you and I have spent a fair bit of time sitting next to each other on a virgin flight over the years. Um, we've had a couple of, of bevs in the lounge together. I've fallen asleep. You've, uh, I remember, oh, we both, we both, we both captured each other, mouth agape in the chair, fallen asleep. Yeah, so it is, it is a little bit sad to see um, Virgin obviously go into administration. There's been a big process. They've been bought out by this big US multinational corporation to potentially start flying again, but they're dumping their cheap Tiger brand, which they had. Virgin Atlantic's also doing bankruptcy. I mean, it's going to be a tough road back for the troubled airline in this economic climate. Um, but the good news is, Matt O'Kine, that... Despite 3,000 job cuts in Australia, Richard Branson, founder of Virgin, has announced that each one of his fired workers are going to be getting a personally signed photo from him of a plane that they want. That they'll no longer be working on. That they'll no longer be working on, but (laughs) can now commemorate... Um, I'm not sure if a frame comes with the photo or it's just literally like a postcard, but um, what a clanger from from, from Richard. I tell you what, how would you feel? You're sacked, you're out, but the boss goes, wait, 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 wait. Here you are, Matt. Here's a signed photo of a plane. Here's a signed poster of Monarch Cove. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a bit rough, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what else, what how, what he's supposed to give them, even the cash maybe that it costs to get the... the yeah, you know, get, literally the give them $10 <laughs> would be better. <laughs> a gift voucher, you know, surely that could have been a little bit better. It's rattled a lot of people, hasn't it? It's, it's it definitely has. made people a little bit frustrated, um, yeah. them saying, well... One, not only did I lose my job, but now I have a constant reminder of the awful, <laughs> awful conditions yeah. under which I lost it. Look, um, it is a pretty terrible gift, um, a parting gift, but is it the worst? Well, we're about to find out because it is time for uh, the darkest days in gift history. Ancient 
Troy, my independent <laughs> city, got gifted a large wooden horse by the Greeks in a situation that then unfolded uh, and made them lose the war. Uh, very commonly known as the Trojan horse. It was a terrible, terrible gift. <laughs> with the Greeks and Epimetheus, the titan god of afterthought and excuses. Um, he and his brother Prometheus were given wait, the task wait, wait, of wait, populating wait. the earth. <laughs> there is a god for excuses? And afterthoughts. Yes, his name is Epimetheus and he's the brother of Prometheus. Now, Epimetheus was given the task of populating the earth with animals and men. Okay, however, Epimetheus quickly exhausted the supply of gifts given to them uh, in the equipment of animals, leaving Prometheus's masterpiece, Mankind, completely helpless. As a result, the brother was forced to steal fire from heaven to arm Mankind. Zeus was angered by this theft and ordered the creation of Pandora, the first woman, and as a means to deliver evil into the house of man, despite the warnings of his brother. Epimetheus happily received her as his bride, but as soon as she arrived, she lifted the lid off a jar entrusted to her by the gods, releasing a plague of harmful spirits to trouble mankind. Pandora's box, dark day in gift history. Uh, Prince William recently disclosed on Peter Crouch's podcast uh, about the early days of his relationship with Kate Middleton, including one of the gifts that she's apparently never let him live down. Uh, He gave her the box. She opened it. It was a pair of binoculars. She said, why have you given me binoculars? He said, I don't know. They look really amazing. Look how far you can see. (laughs) She said, they're binoculars. Why would you get some... I, you, I'm sorry, but you can't own a pair of binoculars or a telescope and not seem slightly creepy, okay? Oi, That's just... going on safari, I wish I'd taken binoculars. <laughs> Thank you very much. So let's not get into that. All right, July 22, 2020, a full month after my 32nd birthday, Matthew Ajete O'Kine gives me the gift of a candle that smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Um, not only this, because it was sold out, went on eBay, paid even more for it than what it's worth, which is nothing. <laughs> Terrible gift. And a dark day in gift history. And finally, one of the darkest days in gift history. A salesman for a mattress company called Howard Langston, who's too busy at his job and constantly disappoints his son, Jamie, uh, misses his son's karate exposition and tries to come up with a way to make it up for him. Uh, Jamie only wants a Turbo Man figurine for Christmas. Unfortunately, Howard starts shopping too late. It's Christmas Eve. Every store is sold out. Howard must travel all over town and compete with everybody else, including a mailman named Myron, to find a Turbo Man action figure to make it to the Wintertainment Parade. That is the plot of Jingle All The Way. (laughs) A dark day. But a great movie, I have to tell you. I, I tell you what, as far as cinema history goes, a very, very good day. <laughs> it was a very Thank good you. day. Thank, Thank you, Arnold Arnie. Schwarzenegger, <laughs> for that absolute classic. What a gem. And those are the, so just some of the dark days in gift-giving history.
You're in Matt and Alex. All day breakfast. Please keep in mind that the gift of this podcast is free. <laughs> All day breakfast with a cup of tea with a tea bag stuck in it. Mm-mm. Now, Alex Dyson, when it comes to young people who are inspiring and doing incredible things for the greater good of mankind, uh, people kind, uh, the <laughs> our next two guests are prime examples of that. I first met them um, at the beginning, at the end of last year, at a big conference where they gave an incredibly inspiring speech about a campaign that they had started about this this charity, this business that they've started, and it's all about uh, providing services for those who don't have access to them, Alex Dyson, uh, and that is services of a mobile laundry and uh, washing services for homeless people in and around what started in Brisbane but has since gone around Australia. Our two guests are here with us right now. It is Nick Marchese and Lucas Patchett from Orange Sky Australia. G'day, guys. How's it going? Good, thanks. Good, thanks for having us, fellas. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on a call with us. We've got the video up here, and Nick, you're sitting in front of Sudsy at the moment. Can you tell us what is uh, behind you right now? Uh, yes, yeah, so this is our first man, Sudsy. It's got two washers and two dryers in it, and uh, Lucas and I in October 2014 uh, wanted to find a way to help people by simply washing and drying their clothes. So our mission statement was to improve hygiene standards, um, we knew nothing about washing, came home one day and said, hey, mum, Luke's and I are going to start a free mobile laundry for people doing it tough. And she said, Nick, how about you start washing your own clothes? So we had a lot of haters <laughs> from day one, um, including both our, both our mums. But uh, we uh, convinced the company to give us some washing machines. We chucked them in the back of the span, Sudsy, and um, started washing and drying clothes alongside um, our old school food van that fed people doing it tough here in Brizzy. So... Lucas, um, you were did, who approached who? Nick or uh, Lucas? Did you did you start the idea? And what what convinced the other person to go with it? It was a bit of a crazy idea that Nick had talked about for a few years after we finished school. So at school, uh, we actually volunteered on a food van that went out streets of Brisbane and fed people who were doing it tough. So yeah, I can remember at fifteen or sixteen being absolutely blown away that all these people, you know, just in our backyard, were sleeping rough and, and doing it so so tough. So um, yeah, Nick had this drawing in one of his books and said. Uh, Lucas, let's get this thing happening. I just got back from overseas, didn't have a job, didn't have uni yet. I was sort of kicking around doing not too much. So I said, let's let's crack on and let's make it happen. Now, how scientific was this drawing, Nick? Uh, are we talking <laughs> it was a beautiful rendering with a- accurate dimensions as to how this these washing machines would fit in the back of a van or is this total stick figure stuff that we're talking here? Yeah, it was, it was stick figure stuff and it was interesting because <laughs> Lucas and I went to school together and I was the naughty kid up the back drawing and Lucas was a smart kid up the front getting all the good marks. So I felt like my drawing could help but... Um, in all reality, we had these like uh, the next step was to get these like polystyrene models because we didn't want to like we couldn't lift the washing machines. So we um, stayed up all night and we cut these sheets of polystyrene and like taped them together. Um, but the problem was is that the machines would sort of like flex into place. Um, so the the modeling and the uh, engineering really took a few um, few variations, but it just took a, a couple late nights and a, a couple of good laughs to uh, get everything into Sudsy and a few um, few sort of bangs on the wheel arches and a few swear words, maybe. Well, I mean, I've heard that your very first endeavour out into the uh, 
into the real world to provide a mobile laundry service to uh, people who were doing it rough on the streets of Brisbane didn't exactly go to plan? No, definitely not. And uh, the van behind Nick Sudsy, we um, loaded it up. We set off from the streets and, and found a fella who was ready to do his washing. Young guy by the name of Jordan. Um, set everything up and actually the, both machines blew up. And we didn't know, too, like Nick said, didn't know too much about washing. So he begged this company to give us a couple more, said, oh, we'd make some changes, went out the next morning, the exact same thing happened happened again. And we were kind of like, had this moment of saying, well, you know, this is something that we think can really help people, but also it's currently not working. So made a few more changes, went back to the drawing board. And then the third morning, same time, same place, um, this guy, Jordan, did his washing. And you know, it was one of those moments of saying, wow, this is something that can really help people, but also... I think it gave us that fuel to see, you know, come back for more each morning that Jordan was waiting for us and, and we were able to help him that morning. Goodness oh, me, it's... Nick, what went wrong? What was what was exploding <laughs> these washing machines? Yeah, we're still not not entirely sure. Definitely my pee plates on the van and my um, really bad driving definitely didn't help. So um, one thing we learned about washing machines is that they need shipping bolts. So we got lazy and we didn't put the shipping bolts in. So every bump we went over... Um, the van was definitely rocking and um, the <laughs> wires were uh, cutting and breaking inside. So, um, you know, we had wrong generators. We had water just bursting out everywhere. Um, we made a few changes and we put uh, four clamps and two Oki straps and that's like our our thing that we think fixed Sudsy. But um, Sudsy kept on breaking down. That's why it's in our foyer now. It's, it's got no second gear, no working fuel gauges, no working locks. So um, Sudsy's pretty uh, pretty hurt. But, I mean, considering going from Sudsy, your very first uh, van, out on the streets of Brisbane helping people who need it, that was in 2014. And it was only, it was I think it was earlier this year, um, I was on Twitter and I spotted a shout-out for what you guys do, the services you provide around Australia from one of the most well-known people in the entire world. Uh, we heard this <laughs> online. My optimism today is born from the work of young entrepreneurs, scholars and leaders who see the world as it is and have the courage to remake it as it should be. There are people like Nicholas Marchese, a 25-year-old from Brisbane, Australia, who pioneered the world's first free mobile laundry system for people experiencing homelessness. That's right. That is former President Barack Obama giving you guys a shout out. And not only that, calling you a scholar there, Nick. You said you're at the back of class. Would you ever think a US president would refer to you as a scholar? No, I think there's a few few fake thing, bit of fake news in that one. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely didn't start Orange Sky either. It was Lucas and I. So I was just taking all the credit. I'm a scholar. I started it. That, I mean, that is honestly, that you, you, you must have been buzzing when that happened. Um, Lucas, I, I want to know what, what, what it was like hearing from uh, Obama. Yeah, it was a really cool moment. I can remember watching the video on my phone and then um, it was almost surreal, one, seeing and, and hearing um, the president talk about, about Nick, but then also having some Orange Sky footage show up and you know, seeing some, um, some of our friends in, in Australia who are doing it tough and being promoted on such a, a massive scale was, was pretty cool. And, yeah, it's always a good, good laugh hearing Nick called a scholar. So. <laughs> and, and you guys have done so well um, over the last few years and you keep going from strength to strength. The vans run um, in various locations right around Australia now um, and you've got something coming up in September and October that you uh, you want to share with uh, with Australia. Yeah, absolutely. So Orange or Sudsy's now got um, 32 brothers and sisters all around Australia and two uh, friends over in Auckland and Wellington and 
Um, Orange Sky isn't run by Nick and Lucas. It's run by over 2,000 incredible volunteers that every day put their lives on hold to go out and, um, you know, put the washing on, provide showers, but most importantly, um, sit down while the washing's on and, and have a chat. So our mission at Orange Sky is to positively connect communities and we're not out there to solve homelessness. We're out there to connect people and remind people, whether you be a volunteer or a donor um, or a friend using our service, that we're all made of the same stuff and you know, sitting down, having a chat and connecting is really important. And I think now um, the whole world is struggling with hygiene and human connections. So um, Orange Sky is not alone with that struggle. And we, um, we've got a really cool initiative called the Sudsy Challenge. So um, you heard about Sudsy and you heard that it took us three days to um, get Sudsy out on the road and, and work. And um, that's the challenge. So um, the Sudsy Challenge is a challenge to wear the same clothes for three days um, and start as many conversations as you possibly can. And I believe both you, Matt and Alex, are going to wear the same clothes for three days um, which is potentially one of the biggest stitch-ups you've ever been put under. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't well, believe I, we are aware of this, but uh, anyway, <laughs> thanks for that, Alex Dyson. Well, in usual circumstances, it would be one of the biggest stitch-ups there, Nick, but um, I have been wearing my current clothes for three days in this <laughs> Melbourne lockdown, and so my question to you is, should I wear them for another three or start a fresh <laughs> pair and do three with them? What's the technical, technical uh, parts of the challenge, Lucas? Uh, lots, of, lots of warm up. There's four, um, four weekends over September and October that anyone can jump on board. Um, like Nick said, wear the same clothes for three days, um, start a lot of conversations, and also raise some funds for Sudsy and his 30, um, 32 brothers and sisters around Australia that support um, one of the um, 116,000 Aussies who are doing it tough. So yeah, appreciate uh, Matt and Alex, you boys jumping on board, um, and also want to yeah, shout out to everyone who is already signed up and all the people who are yet to sign up as well. Yeah, if you want to get uh, involved with both myself and Matt, you can find more information at the Sudsley Challenge. Uh, the SudsleyChallenge.com is where you need to go. And boys, as as cool as it is to get, you know, shout outs from people like Barack Obama, I think some of the, the most rewarding things would be, yeah, meeting the people that you are helping and seeing uh, the difference that, you know, it's just a small gesture like this can make in their lives. Can you give an example of, of someone you've met over the years who has been really helped by the, the work of the Orange Sky Vans? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I spoke about my mum being a hater from day one. And, um, you know, the great thing about my mum is that she's the most amazing person ever. And she volunteers with Orange Sky every Monday in, in Brizzy. And a few weeks ago, I was out on shift and there was a friend um, sort of talking to herself and um, got the courage to go over there and talk to her. And her name was Danny and she'd put some washing in. And I sort of asked her what she was up to later that day. And um, she had a thick American accent. So she was a, you know, a similar age to me. And she sort of said that she was going to a yoga studio and She's going to practice yoga and she gets a free shower and a meal there. And I sort of asked her how she found out about the, the studio and she said that a volunteer encouraged her to do it. And the volunteer was like her mum and she gave her confidence and she really listened to her. And I was sort of proud of Orange Sky and I said, oh, what was the volunteer's name? And Danny said uh, the volunteer's name was Claire. Uh, and Claire's my mum. And, you know, Danny and I could be or are completely different. We're from different countries, different backgrounds, different uh, genders, but we'd felt the exact same thing from the exact same same person, which is that unconditional love and human connection. So our mission when we started Orange Sky was to improve hygiene standards. But what we realised is that our mission was much more than washing and drying clothes. Our mission now at Orange Sky is to positively connect communities. And how we do that is through those really simple things like laundry and showers, but most importantly and most impactfully sitting down on orange chair. You know, every day we, we meet people like, like Danny and volunteers like, like my mum and it's a reminder that there are so many people in the world that, um, you know, are the same by just having a conversation.
It's really awesome stuff. I'm so impressed with what you guys do, and uh, I, I really am hoping that you guys can keep doing it, and that is going to happen with the support of you listening. So uh, head to thesudsychallenge.com or any chance you see uh, where you see Orange Sky Australia, please support the hard work that Nick and Lucas are doing right around Australia and in New Zealand. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. We will uh, we will definitely be a part of the Sudsy Challenge come September, October, and we might even be able to reconnect with you very quickly to see how it's all going uh, afterwards. So thanks so much for joining us, Nick and Lucas, and uh, all the best. We'll catch you around one of the Orange Sky Vans uh, another time soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Alice, for having us. Yes, thank you so much for joining us on Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Massive shout-out to all the guests that we had on, on today's show. Uh, Nick and Lucas from Orange Sky Australia. Jeez, I, I just love what they're doing. It's just such a good idea, and they've done it so well. Um, really appreciate them joining us. Looking forward to uh, a little bit of a Matt and Alex challenge later in the year when it comes to uh, their own uh, Sudsy challenge. So make sure you check that out, as well as, the, uh, as we mentioned with Anthony Salomon, the Red Cross in... Uh, Lebanon, a massive task ahead of them. Sending all our best wishes to uh, anyone with friends and family there, or if you are indeed there yourself. Um, yeah, hope things are picking up as soon as possible. What a crazy situation. Yeah, thank you to everyone who uh, we chatted to on today's show as well with their Xpeno hobbies. Please get in touch if you uh, if you can connect with that at matt.n.alex on Instagram or check out our Discord. And make sure you're listening to tomorrow's show because we've got a huge, huge guest. Love it. Yeah, feel it, Matt. Feel it. Dave from Glass Animals will be joining us on the show. Absolutely cannot wait uh, to hear from him about their brand new album, which is dropping in just, oh, I think tomorrow. Yeah, such a nice dude and such an interesting artist as well, the way he creates his tunes, the way he forms his lyrics. Uh, It should be an excellent chat on a Friday show, so make sure you're joining us for that one. And until then, we'll catch you next time. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? All the links are at mattandalex.com.au.